Necrusi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, 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 scum. He did it. He said oh, God, you got to throw the whole thing out now. Where is it? Oh, Where is I it? God, give it to me. I put my headphones out. God. <laughs> Wait, don't beg for it. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Law Crimes. My name is Andy and I run the YouTube channel The Remembrancer. I'm joined here today with a gathering of fellow Warhammer Law channels. Hal from the Amber King. Hello. Eli from Deadlifts for the Dark Gods. Hello everybody. And Colin, also known as Pancreas Nowork. Also known as Senator Armstrong because of my hairline. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, so everyone, <laughs> that's a hell of a way to start the first mm. one. So today, this brand new podcast will be a journey. We're taking everyone that is watching or just interested in Warhammer Law from any topic from beginner all the way to expert level. Probably not. <laughs> so our, if you are a complete novice, if you don't know anything about Warhammer, or if you are, a, say, a savant or, you know, a sommelier, that's a wine term, isn't it? Sommelier, yeah. Sommelier of Warhammer law. This is something where you can definitely pick up new details or perhaps perspectives that you never, ever probably engaged with in Warhammer. It's something to really bridge those two together. Mm. And today we are starting with the war in heaven. Oh, the very oh. beginning of the Warhammer timeline. I'll pass it over to Colin. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's like you said, we're going all the way back to the beginning. And by all the way back, 65 million years. So why don't we start mm. with who some of the lads in this were? The most important ones, of course, the Necrons. You might have heard of them. You might have seen them in Games Workshop stores and went, who are those cool little robots? Well, this is their origin story. So the ancient Necrons were pretty much the end-all be-all of science. If you can think of a sci-fi tech... They probably had it in spades. And you'd think, oh, it's pretty good for their lives. Except it wasn't so good because their sun was awful and the species as a whole essentially had cancer taken to the extreme. And it was so bad that as they go to the stars, they explore the galaxy, it sticks with them. It's basically their DNA. Meanwhile, let's take a little turn really quick. Another race that was around were the old ones who were basically psychic gods. They use more or less magic, psychic powers, magic. They're essentially interchangeable to them to do whatever they want. They want a planet to be moved over there, they can do it. And they're, if not immortal, so long lived that it essentially makes no difference. And when the Necrons find these gentlemen, they say, hey, would you mind curing our cancerous that's infected our species? And the please, old ones, sir, may I have some more, essentially? Please heal us. Smidgen of health. <laughs> upon asking the old ones politely say get bent um, <laughs> so it's time for war unfortunately the necrons as advanced as they were weren't gods and the old ones were if not gods not far beyond so the war goes pretty horribly for the necrons so as the war is going on or i should say as it's ending they find these 
floating gas clouds that eat stars because it's floating space gas. Why not? That's what it does. And the Necrons, of course, because is this not your first thought as well, decide to turn the gas cloud into a physical god. They give it metal bodies, and then it's called the Catan. So these Catan, these floating gas clouds that now have physical metal bodies, decide to make their Necrons a deal. Quite the deal. Uh, they feed it's it. The <laughs> definitely a bit one-ended. A little, little bit <laughs> one-sided. The Necrons. A L- little bit of a, uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. before sorry. read the fine print was a thing. You know? Yeah, they, uh, that wasn't invented yet. That was a human invention. Uh, Goddamn contracts. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> the deal was, hey, you feed us your entire race and you'll get cool metal bodies. And the Necrons were like, yeah, that's a good idea. Why not? Sounds so they awesome. Do so, uh, the end result's pretty awesome. If you're <laughs> not a Necron or involved in the situation, so for us Warhammer players, pretty awesome. For everyone in the situation, <laughs> not so awesome. Lose their souls, but now they're cool Terminator robots. So it's time for what else but round two of the war. And the Catans start kicking the old ones' asses. The Necrons start kicking the old one asses. Everything is just a mess. By everyone this just point. dogpiles the, just dogpiles them. Like everyone hates you. Why it's are you like this? Pretty much everyone. They had lost the war. Well, now it's time for war part two. It so. was a little bit Randy Orton slithering out, <laughs> and then they came down. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> and as the war's going on, the old ones, getting understandably a bit desperate, uh, decide we need we need some allies of our own. Well, they don't have any, so they need to make them. So they make the Eldar, or the Space Elves, and they make the Krork, who will come up later. But for now, let's just stick with they make the Krork. Those Eldar, the Space Elves, in turn make their own gods, who start beating up the Catan, and getting beat up in turn, because this is just the apocalypse across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. The Krork, for their part of things, yell really loudly and smash Necrons, so if nothing else, they're doing their part perfectly. No one can ever accuse the Green the crook of doing things wrong. They're living their best lives. They're, they're doing li- what they like. They've read their Marcus Aurelius. They're, they're <laughs> in- <laughs> they know exactly what they're here to do, and what they're here to do is smash. Nice. And then the old ones are mostly wiped out. Not entirely, but mostly. And then, because in 40k, what you do in real life affects the afterlife, uh, these beasts called enslavers from the afterlife suddenly start running rampant. And all the old ones who weren't dead? Yeah, they're not dead. The names are dead giveaway too. Enslavers. I wonder who named them anyway. Like, were they always known as enslavers, or is that an Imperium thing? Were they just like those things? Ooh, it's pretty I've much a, a job name. description at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very much a you know. Oh, he's a contractor. He's an enslaver. He's just oh, he's yeah. just gonna gonna deal. With he's he's gonna got do. his little license on his pinned on his chest. Like, <laughs> hi, I am enslaver. Yeah, it's seems like, like an what I do. It's like, this guy's a smith, I bet I know what he does. He's a carpenter, I can figure out this guy's an enslaver. I think I've, I think hmm. I've got the details down. Mm, a bit of a mystery sometimes, mm, that title. And so, oh. and so, because of the rampant war affecting the afterlife, uh, the afterlife called the Warp went from being a nice, calm, peaceful place, wonderful, perfect for a Sunday walk, into an absolute just uh, mess. I wrote down a different word that is a swear, <laughs> so I will let us to say it is simply a mess. The galaxy, even beyond the afterlife, is also a mess because several different species worth of gods essentially use it as a boxing arena. 
and everything, you know, everything's just going to hell. Uh, the Catan, meanwhile, their part, for their part in this whole affair, aside from killing the old ones, were really kind of the worst gods you could ask for if the whole eating the entire race's souls to make them Terminators didn't <laughs> wasn't to get away. away. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're pretty happy the entire time as well. I mean, mm-hmm. they've, they've definitely read their Nietzsche. They're just, they're it's on like a new Catan. level. Catan, who <laughs> hurt you? You're the yeah. worst ones here. Who hurt you? Why are you like this? Well, that's oh, the they just straight up, straight up evil. They're straight just, up evil. They're just like that. No one hurt them. They're just like that. <laughs> and so, granted though, they're a bit tired because, you know, all out total war, turns out, takes it, takes it out of you. And the Necrons decided, now is the time. Now is the time to act to get rid of these jerks. And so they shattered them into millions of tiny little pieces just to take them from unstoppable gods to Pokemon, essentially. <laughs> Gotta catch them all at this point. Exactly. You gotta catch all the Catan. So they catch them, they put them in these chambers. But that's in turn tying for the Necrons, because even if they were weakened, it's still a god you just broke. It took a lot out of them. So, what else to do if you're a robot? You don't need to worry about aging so much. Sure, there's rust, but compared to a person, not much problems with longevity. You can fix rust. So, they go to sleep for 65 million years. This is the natural outcome. This is what they decided is best. That, and of course... There's the old ones' constructs. The Krork, I mean, they're still having the time of their lives. They exist to fight. There's a lot of fighting. Absolutely. In an 80s montage, they just became incredibly powerful, and they're just wrecking. It's just unbelievably destructive. Just to see them in person, you'd be literally soiling yourself. Not for long, only because they would just kill you. You'd so- Exactly as long as it took to reach you, that's how long you have to piss your pants. Just, just enough for the, like the scream to hit your eardrums, and then they're suddenly like, "Oh, I am gone." <laughs> I don't have eardrums anymore. It's not a problem. <laughs> Adapt, then... overcome, survive. <laughs> no eardrums. Except you don't survive in this one. Just making a meme of that with the orc face pointing now, just to warn you. And then the time. Oh my off. god! The Eldar are very psychic, much like the old ones. So it's their turn to rule the galaxy, essentially. So and when we say psychic, we mean like full on, just like imagine the force from Star Wars and traditional like magic mages combined. That's that's like psychic star powers. Kind of levels where he's just like pulling a star destroyer out of orbit kind that of is, levels where he's yeah. just like click. That is, the, that is the average Eldar just yanking <laughs> out of the sky just for fun. That's the underachieving Eldar. Yeah, that, that's the that's the guy who got D's in school. Just his mentor, they're like C plus. Yeah. Ugh. Strong. It's time for the nap. And now the Eldar now own the galaxy. And the Eldar's gods now own the, let's just say, rather turbulent ocean that the warp has become. And the Quark eventually degrade into orcs as the war in heaven wraps up. Their own gods eventually show up to, as their species does, beat the ever-loving crap out of everyone nearby. The old ones are still dead, just in case you were wondering how that situation was going. Still gone. Very sad. Big, big upset moment. Big F. Old, old ones gone. F in the chat for the old ones. <laughs> big F in the chat for the old ones, my top G's. And, Jesus. And that's for people who are new to Warhammer, is the War in Heaven. Are there any questions on things I could have been more clear on? I imagine yes. 
Um, do we know exactly when the uh, the orc gods? Because I would have thought they would be born like when they were crocs, but instead they're like, no, as they got stupider, then they had gods. Uh, crocs, crocs originally when they are created, they are let's just say they make orcs look like a professor in terms of yeah. intelligence, and so the way that uh, the warp particularly works within Warhammer. Gods are something you have to choose to believe in. And so the Crocs at the time did not have a unified concept of gods that the Eldar or the Eldari did. Or that they were they were semi-smart, but they didn't have the let's say they didn't have the ability to kind of form that uh idea of gods because they hadn't been I don't know if the most nicest way to put it is dumbed down enough from infighting. They went, so that's why they didn't have any. They went from the average human being roughly level of intelligence to so stupid, they loop back around to being smart, which is why <laughs> they eventually created their own gods. They're, yeah, that's kind of deep, man. Little, they failed <laughs> tasks successfully. <laughs> their little belief field they have, which we will not get too into because that will be coming later, uh, didn't exist mm. really. I mean, it, it, to some extent it likely did, but it didn't make their own gods until they went from Crork to Orc. Mm. Any more questions you two have? Well, how about, how about, <clears throat> I know a lot of people think the Chaos Gods were created mainly by humanity, but in my head that doesn't make much sense at all because it was one planet of humanity, so corn being made in the medieval ages seems kind of silly. Um, could one blame the war in heaven for the existence of chaos in general. A hundred. K. Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting one though, because uh, chaos, chaos technically, chaos is a formation of our own concepts of like our own emotions and evil. That's a very, it's a very good question actually, because the idea, I guess, of chaos gods for someone who is a beginner, the chaos gods affect the modern day timeline, the 40k timeline and the 30k timeline, which are the main sort of settings that we interact with in Warhammer. And these sort of gods, at the time when all these Xenos, so the Necrons, the Eldari, the Krork, there may have been the, you could say the beginnings of these sort of, uh, I say ripples or sort of mm. ideas collecting within the warp, but Just as a... Yeah, but as a as a as a general concept, these chaos gods are much more of our interpretation of these ideals, I assume. But that may be again, if it, if it's completely wrong, that's just one of the law crimes, and we'll scratch that up for later. <laughs> first so law crime could, added. First law crime made. He got he got chaos gods wrong, <laughs> and unfortunately, to say to get a, a bit meta, this is one of those things that Games Workshop lore has kind of wavered back and forth between humanity created them and they've been sort of timeless so yeah that's very true there's a lot of things up to interpretation that being said if it weren't for the war in heaven the warp wouldn't have been as nearly as much of a mess as it was to allow them to form in the first place so mm -hmm. even if they weren't directly created this time the this massive galaxy shaking war is why the conditions for them being created exist in the yeah, first like, place. Oh, this this house is very flammable. But then again, <laughs> when we got here, they left a bunch of matches and like very dry wood and timber everywhere. <laughs> so it's not really our fault that we burned the house down because look at all this stuff they left here. 
Yeah. It would have happened eventually if the weather was too dry. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's always a good answer. There's always a good explanation in the end. <laughs> Do you have any more questions before we lead on to our expert section? Um... I, I kind of do uh, with with like go for it. Go for it. So so like the the Necrons are essentially the first like beings that were not gods, I guess. So there wasn't anything before Necrons. They were literally like we're pretty much the only sentient beings other than the gods themselves, the Catan and and the. Old that ones. is something, as we've know so far, is intentionally left a mystery mm. in terms of then and. In a sense, the Necrons being the first sentient life that belongs to the Gitan. In a that's a that's a complicated uh, question <laughs> that we we will definitely be tackling later. But okay. In terms of the Necrons are not the first sentient life. This the war in heaven is just mostly told from their perspective. Mm -hmm. So, because since they're the only ones, mostly the the Necrons being Terminator style robots who don't age. Are the ones who still directly have a link to that time. Yeah, this was okay, and because they went to sleep for so long, in a way, it was almost as if it was yesterday for them. So they're the mm. ones whose perspectives we get. That being said, and they woke up and they were like, "We don't have any WD forty, and we need some. We right need now. it now. Just, just, be just begging, begging <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the WD." The closest answer <laughs> I found on that is there's a line that said when the Eldar were either uplifted or created there's another thing that's left vague whether or not they were existing and then uplifted or outright created by the old ones mm. is that mm. whenever either way when that happened the necrons were already ancient so they're certainly yeah. very old even beyond the 65 million year old robots thing whether or not they're the very first is a bit of a different question but they're very old so we're unsure if they did a Mass Effect and they were like, hey, you, have this spaceship. Oh, cool. And then they just got like really, really ramped up quickly. Yeah. It, intentionally, much of it is mystery <clears throat> considering it's so, so far into the Warhammer uh, forward. This, this is the beginning of the Warhammer timeline. So what, what records do truly survive that long, in, even in our own world? Is there any more questions before we take on our next section boys i think i'm faithful that you'll probably answer them <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you very much here, all righty then so we begin in the expert section so we take so if you are particularly new to warhammer or you just you know it's warhammer 40k or you may have seen horus heresy which is warhammer 30k we're not going anywhere near that we are oh. traveling 60 million years all the way back to the very beginning of our Warhammer timeline. So the Warhammer timeline begins, as I said earlier, from the perspective of the Necrons, who at this point they are called the Necron tier. So these are humanoid, it's a humanoid race and they are of flesh and of bone. They are vaguely similar to humans. They kind of look like almost like kind of I don't like kind of like Voldemort, slightly taller, a bit more, I don't want to say bony, because that comes across wrong, but, but they do have a kind of very, they are human-esque in their Spindly, fleshy almost. appearance. Very, very sad looking. Sick, sickly very, might be appropriate word. Sick, yeah. Sickly is a great word for it. And <laughs> they live on a home world where 
they the homeworld itself actually is quite interesting because it's not just something in Warhammer lore where it's uh, basic. It's actually a similar to our own world since Necrons and Necron tears share. I'd say inspiration from um, ancient Egypt in our history. So their home world is a place of like, you know, massive deserts. So there's a lot of desert life involved in a lot of their stories. They have make reference to things like deemed like scorpion style creatures in the sand. Like very, they have a very much, uh, let's say, de- I guess, desert like existence that definitely shapes them as a people. Although their home world is very, um, Best way, it's not just desert. There are things like trees and very proto early versions of, you know, we, we'd find the world recognizable to human eyes. And so the big, the big, uh, let's just say the most important thing to learn about the Necronteer themselves is 60 million years in the past. The Necronteer basically got it bad. They had a, they had an awful deal. And even from there, like, just evolving into sentience into their, their earliest days they are right next to a super irradiated sun the protection they have so our world we have certain protections from radiation they barely have any of that and this radiation affects every single aspect of necrontier mindset everything the radiation is just dangerous and it's will come into play at many times throughout their story. So the Necrontier, as they, very similar to the humans, they've evolved a culture, they have language, they start to build things. And Necrontier uh, culture, as it starts to flourish, shall we say, is immediately from the outset just extremely hierarchical. So everything is about just power structures. They venerate ancestors to an enormous degree and for like, this entire how did you live so long oh you're important <laughs> pretty much but basically ancestors you know daddy dead daddy is king if that's the best way to put it okay. being being dead in uh necrontier society is is what's in right now it's the coolest thing <laughs> it's the latest fashion all the cool kids are dying dead <laughs> all the cool <laughs> kids are dying <laughs> you just can't handle me at my this is what peak performance looks like <laughs> so drops dead or um so all across the Necrontier homeworld, they have Necrontier dynasties, which rule over pretty much every single part of their society and politics involved. You can imagine a place that has dynasties and ruling families. Politics is absolutely just ruthless, scheming, you know, it makes Game of Thrones, you know, it take, take Game of Thrones from a continent and turn it into a planet in terms of the levels of scheming. It's just you know, cutthroat, shall we say. I think there's a an important thing to understand about how the Necrontier view general society and how each of their people interact with it. There's a great uh, excerpt piece from one of the fantastic Necron books which describes how a certain member of a dynasty will interact with what the lower castes of society and the phrasing that they use it as was the people who are at the bottom are fuel so they are things to be used things to be burned as the fire of necrontier ambition is fueled shall we say so that they are just you know you are almost worthless if you are not a member of a dynasty or a servant or even again just absolutely worthless at the bottom of society 
And there are many like Necron dynasties, sorry, Necron tier dynasties that rule over these vast areas. There's many notable ones. I'm going to try and pronounce some of their names, but you have to forgive me because my pronunciation will be, shall we say, offensive <laughs> in this attempt. Yeah. So there's the notes, some notable ones are, um, here it goes, uh, Marenach, Mefrit, Nefref, Nihalak, Novuk, Sautek, and Cesar Khan. So these are the most, there are some dynasties that have, uh, let's say, lower dynasties within them that serve them. But these are kind of the most powerful. And each of these are specialized in dealing with, say, a certain sector or a certain specialty in war. So uh, Sautek, I think, is particularly uh, martial in their specialization. So they often have, you know, huge number of troops and soldiers uh, Nihalak were uh, the dynasty that was involved in a lot of, let's just say, they hoarded treasure and they were very much, you know, information was the tool for them. And there were some that were you know, more involved with scheming. So they, every Necron tier dynasty is somewhat specialized in a certain way. Now, as we get back to the most important part of their entire world in this very complex society, they have that god awful sun in the sky for them. And the biggest part of the Necron tier life, as we said in the beginner sections, the Necron tier suffer from cancer. And I mean, on a level which is, it is inevitable that this will be the cause of your death. So you can imagine the kind of dread that you have to live with being a Necron tier. I'm sure many of us have at some point felt a little bit like, oh, you know, had my, my heart pumped a little bit too fast today <laughs> and so you get a little bit worried get stressed get yeah. a little bit stressed i get that mysterious pain i don't know what it is but it goes away <laughs> but for me it goes away <laughs> yeah so the necron tier and there's a again another fantastic piece uh from the book twice dead king which describes how a member of a ruling dynasty looks over to some of his servants and he just sees this necron tier that's just covered in Growths, and it's that you can imagine, like how does that image hit you guys? I'm pretty sure it's, yoish. It's a uh, just, it's a, such a stark contrast, reminder of as death. They worship death, obviously, and it's death is pretty much in their face at all times. And a very interesting. Okay, go ahead. Is there like a life expectancy for the Necron tier at this point? Do we know anything about how long they live? Ish. Or like uh, I, don't, I, I suppose it, it's hard, hard to gauge because we the only standard years. The reference we have kind of been given is that uh, from a Necron perspective in the modern timeline, they compare it to humans and they say humans lived a little longer on average than a Necron tier did. So we assume maybe like 60 years is like a old is old age for some... Uh, most people would never die of old age. So the, the, you can imagine... Yeah. Uh, so short, painful uh, lives. Actually, even they, just to show how much it's in their face every day, it's even said in the uh, Twice Dead King book, a great book if anyone wants to read that. It's a great foray into uh, Necron Tear and Necron Door. They mention how when the Necron Tear awake every morning, they literally pat their body down and check for growths and the cancers. They do it every single morning as they grow up so you can you know it's a it's a rough deal and in a general sense necron tier are in a sort of because their bodies are fragile and radiation has affected them 
so much. They are in like a general amount of pain as well. So the, being a Necron tier sucks. Yeah. Generally just, you know, you can compare it to our life and it's just like, wow, I am ticking every good box and they have the worst. And so the, the death is everywhere for the Necron tier. And because of this, death is pretty much invaded every part of their culture too. So the veneration, as we said earlier, the veneration of death we, is to a level where it is the word sacred. The word sacred does not even encompass how much they are obsessed with death itself. So when people die, like we said earlier, they are buried in massive like mausoleums, often mausoleums constructed by those of the lower caste who may get a burial in a piece of dirt next to it if they're lucky. That's how much these dynasties and these hierarchical places are just obsessed with uh, yeah, de death is you know death is in death is again the, it's the new uh fashion it, it's pretty much every part it's on their mind every day it's the only fashion and the only fashion pretty much there's no choice and uh so after we is an untold number of years it's not specified but over generations the necron tier Finally, as like we see in our own world, over time we just they start to become more technologically advanced. Even though their planet is basically filled with tombs at this point, there's almost no more space. And they eventually find a way to leave their home world, and they finally do you know one small step for a Necron tier, one big step for a Necron tier kind. They manage to leave, and they create something called stasis crypts, which are designed to hold them in a very a uh, small chamber which is like preserves them in time it moves time to such a small degree that it's almost like they were paused in time that's how powerful they had become in their their technological advancement and this is when they finally are they're in the stars they're colonizing new planets and this is when uh we finally see that they've or just to backtrack very slightly when i say that they're good at science i mean the ability to control time is, I'm pretty sure all of us are like, damn, that's like, that's pretty, uh, I mean, incredible. to be honest, if you're, if your living world is just suffering in pain, you're probably spending every waking moment. Like, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? Oh, time, yeah, time manipulation. Oh, that kind of works. Oh, well, next thing, next thing. Rather than, you know, like, let's just, why didn't they just fi think of a way of like fixing the sun or just like a big <laughs> thing around? That, like we got, all this stuff and they didn't just put like a big shell around it big shell just like, like a shade like a, like a, like a like a like a lamp cone around the sun just to like slightly diminish the rays Giant of the sun don't care do <laughs> 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 remember the um the intro for a pixar film with the lamp the lamp oh, yeah. the letters they should have just yeah, tried yeah. that i don't know why they didn't try honest, that <laughs> With all you've been saying about like the sun, I don't know why, but my brain just jumped to like the Teletubbies with the sun with the face on it, and oh my God. Just being like the Teletubbies with their own like headgear. I, I don't know. <laughs> they they are not that happy about it. <laughs> no, they're not happy about <laughs> it, but they have to go out every day, and the sun's there. Like I'm gonna get you. Oh my <laughs> God, is it creepy? So <laughs> they definitely uh, they have over generation. They've tried to find ways to deal with it. They. You can imagine, obviously, it's on their minds at all times, but that's where we come later into the story about some of the things that they had tried to do. So, as they are finally like they're star bound, they have they do have fantastic technology. They are, I would say, at a level beyond what our current world 
uh, is in terms of technology. Again, they, they have like disciplines where people use science. They literally use science to control uh, time itself. And they have like a discipline called cryptex, which are people who specialize in that discipline. And it's very much prevalent, the use of technology in everything they do. And you, you, it is everywhere. And so they're finally... Uh, sorry, go ahead, Colin. So there's that... What's that quote? I don't remember who said it. It's like any sufficiently advanced science is indistinguishable, indistinguishable from magic. magic that's yeah. that's what they're rocking. It's so advanced science. We will just yeah. go. That's mm. magic. It's not magic though. It definitely has a ancient Egyptian twist to it. So they are uh, they very much do remind us of the kind of mystics of uh, ancient Egypt in terms of their titles and the, the way that we have mythologized them and it, it will that's why they become so recognizable to us because they almost look again like magic it's a fantastic point there so as the necron tier are you know we're talking like generation upon generation of them are just i have you know you can imagine how quickly life is for the necron tier so so many have died to get to the point where they're in space and they're traveling very slowly at this point because they don't have any faster than light travel technology that's one thing that is like, unfortunately thank god we're getting away from the sun though Whoa. very much so so this is possible that they they absolutely they run and this is the part where they finally come across sent another sentient life and this is where they meet the good old old ones so the old ones the way that warhammer describes them they are a cold-blooded reptilian psychic race that are essentially as colin said near immortal it's it's un we're unsure if it's to the point where they either had a rebirth when they died or it was they just lived so long that it was basically immortality to what we perceive it as and they are thought to be the almost the first kind of sentient race within the warhammer universe they are in a way to us in the modern 40k and 30k timeline a complete mystery so they are even like we, the only things we do know about them are very small details, such as the cold-blooded. They are immensely powerful psychers, so they were able to use again, like we described in earlier, that kind of psychic powers, like using like the Force in Star Wars and traditional magic, like a combination of that. So they are incredibly powerful, and they they have a let's just say as the first sentient life in the universe, they are. You could probably say that they were maybe disappointed with how empty the universe is. And so the old ones were known for s- spreading life across much of the uh, Warhammer universe. And many of the races that are in the modern timeline sort of descend from those very uh, creations and those very early days that the old ones had seeded life on many planets. I'll just pass over to Colin very quickly to talk about the Necron tier expanding. Thank you very much. So after generations of expansion the Necrons by this point they have a decent chunk of the galaxy under their belt they've been around but despite leaving their home world with the awful horrible very bad no good sun their DNA is essentially so corrupted by it that you could be born a Necron the other side of the galaxy you still have this space cancerous these the inherited cancer yeah, that's you, pretty bad yeah that's that's your <laughs> That's their superpower is cancer. <laughs> they got to, you got Happy to, birthday, son. Yeah. It's a little bit of like, uh, you know, mate, you got to wipe this like clean, bro. If you got to chop the whole thing out, got to redo. It's yeah. just, 
bad. That's essentially <laughs> corrupted. You basically is. saying the Necrons are a bunch of spoiled bananas or something? Like they just, they just, they instantly just. just I think rot, rot, saying they're rotten's yeah. a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They've done no great crimes yet. <laughs> yet. Not yet. Yet. But uh, they've really got a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> exactly. And that chip's gonna get worse soon because once they find the old ones, they say, "Hey, like I said, can you?" cure this horrible space can this cancer we suffer from because it's, it's kind of ruining our lives and keeping them shorter than they were because like uh like Hal said they had about slightly shorter than human lives that's with the space cancer so mm. who knows how long they would have lived if it weren't for that but mm. that's just a bit of speculation on my part but we'll never know we'll never know we'll never know uh, either way, they ask him, can we get this cured? And the old ones, it was a bit more than get bent. They do think that because the galaxy is so empty and all life they find is sacred to create, that they don't want to change life more than they need to. And unfortunately for the Necrons, because their DNA itself, it had gotten to the point where basically cancer is part of them that the old ones were like, we're very sorry, but this is such an integral part of you, we don't want to change it, because surely there's a reason for it. This must be, this is just how your race is meant to be, and because of our views, we don't want to change that. So that was the beginning of the Necron Olden relations. The Necron saying, can you cure us? Or the Necron tier saying, can you cure us? And naturally being a tad jealous of the old ones essentially unlimited lives and the old one saying uh no we will not fix that because this is how you're meant to be you can imagine how that hit them and imagine the refusal and how i mean i mean to oof. be fair though they did what happens after that you kind of go well yeah maybe the old ones had a good reason to be like no i think maybe this is a good idea that you just you know you see would, it, would you you on. wouldn't say to your doctor can you help me he says no and you feel good about it <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying if 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 if, my, if i was a doctor and i was like sorry i won't treat you and then my patient like murdered pretty much like most of the people on the planet and then like encased themselves in metal and then called all their spaceships tomb worlds and like had a big nap and then went and killed everything else in the galaxy i i wouldn't lose too much sleep that's all i'm saying Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, maybe they wouldn't do that if you just cured them, though. Exactly. Maybe. Uh, Intervention. Or maybe they would have just gone, oh, this is quite nice. Let's flex on our power. Now we can do whatever we want. And they just ruin the galaxy. Let's flex on our mm -hmm. cancer power. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we did time control when we had the space cancer. Now what can we do? And then they, like, destroy the galaxy or whatever, you know. They were like, check out my new drip. And it's just not <laughs> <laughs> It's just not it. So, um, so as you can imagine, the Necron tier have just been told, we will not save you. And that news, as they have a, they have an empire. So they have billions, there's billions of Necron tier at this point. And they are, they occupy many different planets and many different dynasties hold these different planets. And that news of that, they will just not be helped. Just you can imagine what that would do again like the analogy of like your doctor saying no to you that level of you know anger hate in almost you could say justifiable way 
and, and even can, it lives forever and the doctor can you know create things out of matter but still yeah yeah he's he's, he's a good man i swear <laughs> but he uh so the necron tier and they this is after they'd already tried everything too so they despite all of their technological advancement as a uh, colin said earlier they're they're just their dna is just corrupted by radiation it's just they haven't they they have no way to salvage it and so after this news comes the necron tier basically it dissolves their empire dissolves into an all-out civil war essentially so you can imagine when you have all these like vast dynasties and they hold different swaths of territory and again we mentioned that politics is ruthless earlier so all of these different worlds that are basically filled with a servant caste who essentially just obey that uh whatever their dynasty tell them to do they're just just sent to war and it's it's a hot and cold war in many ways and this is where we find out so this is introduction into the story is that necron tier society is traditionally ruled by a figure known as the silent king or queen sometimes we're unsure but mostly the silent king and he's the head of what's called the triarch so this is the triarch council and he has two other pharons which are very high-ranking members of Necrontier society who uh, are there to interpret what he says because he is the silent king and he only speaks to his two pharaons. Is unsure why he does this, but it is, <laughs> perhaps it is someone just, just incredibly <laughs> lazy. It is. It is like it is. You could say you know people putting the salt on something. And go, oh, that's spicy, and it's just You're basically salt. saying the Necrons <laughs> started Chinese whispers where they were just like, "I told you one thing, now tell everyone else." And then over time, it gets changed. Not not so much. It's only one. It's only it's only one one person to one pharaoh, and he just announces it to the rest of the uh, court. So it's only one person. Mm. So that that's luckily that's not the issue. The only issue at the time you could say is that the Triarch Council, which is the Silent King as the uh, character itself, is usually a member of a din- one of the ruling uh, dynasties, and it does change. It changes many times over Necron tier history, and so the Necron tier Silent King at this time basically has no authority. It's a it's a hot and cold war, and over you know leagues of space and. Essentially, Necrontier society is decaying. So they're in a, they're like civil war is everywhere. They have no hope for overcoming their cancers, and the Silent King, being worried about basically the dissolvement of his entire race, comes up with a sort of a plan to reunite all of the Necrontier. You know, gather everyone together and unify them in one direction, and. Unfortunately, there's nothing more unifying than war. And so the Silent King declares that they will attack and they declare war on the Old Ones. They declare they will take the secrets of immortality from the Old Ones and in a way take revenge for them refusing to help them when, again, you could say they're at almost their lowest in terms of, you know, they need help for their people. So this war... It in heaven truly begin. This is the birth of the war in heaven, and the war, despite the Necrontiers, you know, amazing technological advancements, and they have devastating weaponry. They have powers over time. They are utterly outmatched in every way 
because the old ones, uh, they utilize something called the webway, which we will, I think, delve into a further episode. But let's just say, at a great analogy, is it was almost like, I think Colin, uh, we'd said it before, it was like a wormhole and a uh, tunnel as well. Like, like a worm, yeah, go worm, ahead. Wormhole highway tunnel, basically, <laughs> and across these, reality. Mm, so they complete, they use these highways to completely outmaneuver the Necron tier. And the Necron tier themselves have no talent in psychic abilities. And psychic abilities just utterly destroy them. And this war ends up pushing them all the way back. They lose all of their uh, territories across all of uh, space. You know, things that took them, you can imagine how many years it took them, especially for how you know short their lives are, to build up mm. these worlds. Generations. Yeah, generations, and it's just all lost, and they are pushed back towards their home world. And you can imagine how the Necron tier, all billions of them cramped on this home world, are feeling. Selling, they're like, not you again, <laughs> the bane of our existence. Pretty much. So it is, It is, and this war, this beginning stage of the war in heaven did take generations for that to happen. So it's the people who started the war are no longer there anymore. So it's just awful. And this is where in our story, we say a new player enters the game. <laughs> so, Challenger approaches. Yeah, Goku in his drip just turned up. So, uh, so, this, so this is where this is where the Katan enter. So the Katan themselves are said to be the oldest life within the Warhammer universe. And when we say life, it's tricky because they are, as Colin said earlier, they are a mass of energy, like a cloud, essentially, and. We are to say that they are alive is a very tricky thing because they are so different from what we may consider life themselves. And they they are these enormous, we're talking like planet-sized uh, formations of clouds, and they kind of drift through the universe. They've been doing it since time began in the Warhammer universe, and they often feed upon stars. They literally just so, yeah, they suck the energy. Big, big suck the energy. They're basically, a bunch of primordial, moody teenagers just roaming around the galaxy. Oh, my like, bank account! I'm is eating gone. that. I'm hungry. Ugh. Like that's that's what the idea are. of them being teenagers is hilarious. <laughs> God, that's just that kind of disgusting. I have you to say, <laughs> life dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to my room. So, so they are. They are these enormous i guess creatures or and they are almost i think me and colin describe them like they're like viruses almost they just they all they do is they are things that don't really think and they just feed and they have etheric they're described as having etheric wings that they glide throughout the universe and even in their they are said to be the oldest forms of life in the universe but they at some point way way during the past they encountered the first sentient life in the universe so they met the old ones way before the Necron tier, and a bit, a bit awkward. But the because considering how the old ones are so, uh, they they seed life. They believe life is sacred. They actually, in a way, they don't consider the Katan alive. So and they are just see the Katan as destroyers. They whenever they, obviously they seed worlds, they they create species, plants, and things like that all throughout the universe. They don't want the Katan destroying obviously all of these creations so whenever they encounter katan they have often destroyed them and so at this time 
we return to the Necron homeworld and it is the word just dump doesn't quite encompass how much how awful the situation is so this this is a generation who are completely isolated overcrowded and they are just uh angry with the universe and this is when they first detect something strange within their system they detect something feeding upon their star and this is where they first encounter the Gitan. And they actually design like unique because of the technological advancement of the uh, Necron tier. They actually design machines that are able to communicate with them. And this is so important because this is the first time that the Catan ever pay attention to the material universe. It's like the first time that they have almost they they traverse a concept, which is almost um, even just to say that is insane because they have they are so different from what we would recognize as life and the necrontier become curious they are you know in a way i guess communicating with them and this is where they make the big oh no no mistake they might regret later and this is where they create them vessels which are made of a special material called necrodermis necrodermis is an innovation of the necrontier which is described as a living metal and it's integral to many parts of their um, technology. And when we say living, it's not like nanomachines or anything like that. It is like a, like a living thing. And as the like Gitan, you can imagine like a planet-sized form of gas, it's pouring itself into this necrodermis uh, vessel, and the Gitan basically perceive the material universe for the first time. And they really learn quickly. So they start to... Uh, taking information, they're talking, you know, they're, they're using language for the first time in their existence. And as, as this happened, more Catan are basically being drawn to the, the Necrontier's homeworld. And the, the almost insidious part of this is when the, ne- the Catan's Necrodermis shell, they start to shift and they start to resemble the Necrontier's pantheon of gods, which, as you may have possibly guessed all seem to look like gods of death considering death is the thing that even after so many generations they are still obsessed with and so the katana resembling things like images like the grim reaper and things like that they all they look terrifying just to us but obviously to a necron tier they are very much it is in the form of like Odin or Thor or something similar, or Jesus, as we, or, or, or we said earlier. We think me and Colin said Jesus, Jesus riding or surfing on a was it Korean Jesus from Twenty One Jump Street, yeah. <laughs> riding on a cross, surfing it. Take Greek mythology, except everyone is Hades. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, they are. Hades is a friend of. They have, they have, you know, they yeah. have got, you know, enormous metal abs, and no, I was kidding. But, but <laughs> they are. Um, so the Catan, the Catan are not a numerous race, but there are some notable Catan that do often pop up within uh, the War- the Warhammer timeline. So I'm going to try and pronounce these and not um, completely ruin any credit I have in the, in the Warhammer. We are space. all native like- English speakers, remember. <laughs> Yeah, so this will be terrible. So some notable Catan are uh, Asgorod, Emberesh, Lash Urdra, uh, oh my god, they're awful, <laughs> uh, Langdegor, Yigrinar, Maldoroth, Sarnorga, and Mephet Ran, that being the most notable, something to remember for later. 
And when we say like the Catan are it, like a gas cloud poured into a necrodermis form, they are they are very much like you can the power radiates from these creatures. They are you, to just to, to if you were standing right in front of like the Catan, you would definitely be like, I'm not sure if 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 I could say this was not a god in terms of just how you know the the power that radiates from them is incredible and i'll pass over to colin quickly to describe how the necrontier dealt with these new creatures of course so during the last uh not the pardon me during the reign of the silent king zarek there's that pronunciation for you again yeah katan <laughs> mephadron he came to him and said he has an offer that i don't think i don't think he said you can't refuse but uh, it was definitely what else do? <laughs> layers of manipulation were involved. With yeah. It. So the Catan would grant the Necron tier new strong bodies and a chance to destroy the old ones who uh, both of them, the Catan and the Necron tier, had both in some way been slighted by the old ones. Perhaps the Catan uh, were not as wrongfully slighted. You could say the Necron tier were given the bad end of a deal. The Catan, maybe they were just being dicks, but either way, both the, both of them were, both of them were slighted. Both it, of them were let down. It seems like a great deal so far, doesn't exactly. it? And so he comes and, and says, mm. "Hey, I'll give you some new strong bodies, mm. and it, like I said, and a chance to destroy both of them." And the Necron tier decided it was time to upgrade themselves, and I will pa- get back to hell. Yeah, and so as they've th- this offer. You can imagine everything is going wrong for the Necron tier. Terrible bodies, you know, terrible, you know, the old ones have, you know, just ruined them. And so the offer was accepted, much to probably, (laughs) probably to the, maybe the worst decision of all time in the Warhammer universe, some might agree. But Cesarek agreed to this decision. And so, the decree went out and the Necron tier, so all of the Necron tier on their home world, so we're talking billions of billions of actual, like they are people very much. They have their own thoughts and feelings. They're, they're so close to humans, it's almost scary. And they are, everyone is dragged out of their homes, like even from people who lived in you know, the great dynasty cities to the people who lived in just simple brick huts. It is, and it's a, it's even described again in the fantastic book um, *Twice Dead King* about how, over many like much of Necrontier history, there have been like uh, Necrontier like who are like outcasts who often would paint themselves in red, and they used to drag people as offerings to the gods traditionally all throughout like Necrontier history. And these people, you know, the the, the Necrontier, you know, painted in red. They go into people's homes and they drag everyone out. And notably, even only this this is happening and everyone's being dragged out. Some are going willingly too, because they because much of this had been discussed within Necrontier uh, courts. And only one person, uh, known as Orican the Diviner, who famously in Necrontier history was the only one who was out, out crying, and he was the only one who was saying this is a bad idea. But again, that is nothing compared to the overall like just weight of the choice, and he was taken from his home too. Mm. 
he, it made no difference. And so you have in the Necrontier's homeworld, there are these huge, like we're talking huge columns of Necrontier marching. It's almost like a, like imagine if you were like one of the people marching in that column, it's almost the, that kind of background dread of what's happening. I don't think you ever want to be a person in a marching column or <laughs> generally anything. And they were pushed towards these massive bio furnaces. And as they were approaching these massive, I'm talking like, you know, temple sized, huge, you know, green fired burning um, temples. They had, they saw like above it, the Catan, you know, the Catan that looked like they're gods are floating above. And so as, uh, they're basically, we're talking about men, the women, the children. They are all pushed towards these furnaces. Some, you know, some of them are like still have their cancerous growths on them, and they don't even make it towards the. Some people die on the journey towards this bio furnace, and now as an entire race of people, we're talking billions of Necrontier enter these bio furnaces. An entire race is burned alive. So this is this is Warhammer lore, grim dark. At its finest, it is very much a so everything that they were before is very much just burnt down. So the, as they would enter these bio furnaces, their their entire body is immolated almost instantaneously. They can feel it. It's something where it's obviously terrifying to even just think about, let alone imagine going through. And all of like the Necrontier, so who they were as a person, everything they experience is taken from them. It's almost turned into information. It's like dragged out of them and it gets imprinted upon these new Necrodermis forms. And these are strong. They will not age. They will not have sickness. And then essentially they march out of all of these bio furnaces. The Necrontier have died. And now they are the Necrons. And the Necrons are who we interact with within the modern timeline. So the, the, every Necron tier is gone. And so as the let's say the emergence of a new or maybe say changed race, so the Necrons have emerged. And the interesting thing about this deal, something that we should again, or we should always read the fine print in these sort of when you make a decision like this, is that when the Catan themselves, they, they were poured into these necrodermis husks, they were changed in a way such as how the Necron tier, when they become Necrons, they are changed too. So the Catan traditionally feeding upon stars, something, something we could say deeply evil had been awakened within them. And the Catan learned now that feeding upon stars it wasn't really enough and something new had replaced their food source and they found that they liked to feed on the suffering of sentient life which yeah so you know you know good old you know this is the difference between you know star is you know you know terrible cheap, cheap takeaway you know gourmet meal is suffering <laughs> which is a terrible analogy <laughs> suffering is a succulent <laughs> chinese meal oh, <laughs> chinese oh you're dead wrong about that <laughs> what have you done with it <laughs> oh you just make it now and then there's like all these like death gods and then there's a gordon ramsay katana like it's raw <laughs> <laughs> it's English sandwich. oh my god 
it's like Gandhi's flip flop, you know, classics. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they have, and you can imagine, so these, you know, the Necron tier before seal them as gods. And now when the Necrons emerge, so all of, even the children are turned into Necrons, they look up and they realize that the Catan have just fed on an entire race's suffering and death. They have gorged themselves upon the souls of the Necron tier. The Necron tier, are, when we say gone, I mean like even they are their souls. They're, they're parts that connect them to dream. They don't dream anymore. They are, that thing is taken from them. They are very much when we compare them to Terminator machines. They have almost, in a very way, they have become uh, binary. They have become machine-like, and the entire uh, Catan have just devoured that suffering. And they are powerful. And the 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 very like tra- the great thing about grim dark stories is the deep tragedy of many of their uh, the deep sorry the great thing about it is tragedy and when the Necrons do emerge from these bio furnaces they are in every way pretty much other than body lesser versions of themselves so the members that were a part of high ranking dynasties they are the only ones who retain their personalities. So that's why we may see in Warhammer 40k like columns of like you know mindless automatons. That is the ordinary people who were Necron tier, and mm. as they have emerged now, they feel like something is missing from them. They don't feel they don't feel like anything. They just have metal bodies. They don't actually have the sensation of touch, and they kind of the soul of their people is gone. And even worse is that. As they emerged, a command protocol has been linked. So every Necron is now completely under the reign of the Silent King, who, when he emerged from the uh, transformation, was equally horrified by what he had done. And to him turning to, to the Gitan, they had obviously they had fulfilled their end of the bargain. And to essentially ignore what the Catan said next was, you know, the, the Necron tier were dead. And so the Silent King can only think of the Necrons as the Catan declare that the war in heaven has begun again and that they will claim vengeance. They will destroy the old ones. And the Silent King and, in a way, the Necrons don't have any choice. You know, is it either death now or do they find a way? So now the war in heaven has truly begun again. So the Catan and Necrons, so this is the Catan who are like, just gorge themselves on the entire species. So they are souped up and they are incredibly powerful and they have an army and they decide now they will unleash themselves and they will go fight the old ones. And the old ones just struggle against this tide. So the galaxy before was already in... It already had some of the scars had remained from the previous uh, parts of the war in heaven when the old ones had fought the uh, Kitan. So the old ones had fought the Necron tier. But now the galaxy is, when we say hellscape, I don't think it really truly captures the word because this war, the, the reason it is called the war in heaven, because the war is on a level where it is godlike beings clashing in war in in a battles that would never 
reach the same height again. And there is, at this time, much of sentient life within the galaxy that is seeded by the Old Ones. And this is either completely destroyed by the Necrons, it is either consumed, entire races are consumed by the Catan. And it's just, or some of you are even subjugated, it's even said that some are subjugated by the Necrons at the time too. You know, these immortal, uh, essentially robot beings who don't really, who the lowest echelons don't really feel anything except obey the command. And they have maybe the smallest essence of their personality hidden deep within. And the Necron tier uh, ruling, so the Necron ruling dynasties who are essentially by command protocol ordered to follow their silent king. And so as we enter this new stage of the war in heaven, the old ones are essentially, they're on the back burner. They have no answer for this combined force. And it is now where they decide they need to create their own devastating weapons and armies to combat the Necron and Catan threat. So this is where we finally have the introduction of, in the setting, perhaps the most, um, let's just say, uh, cultural uh, races, <laughs> as the Eldari and the uh, Krork. And actually, even at this time, we had to emphasize the weapons too. So this is when they even create immense uh, structures such as Blackstone Fortresses, which are immense like ships that still survive into the 40k timeline and they do pop up every once in a while so they finally create these new races and to describe the power level of these races at the time is something where we wouldn't the warhammer timeline will never see uh the eldari the Krok, the necrons at such heights of power and any battle that they engage in is just devastating it is truly like planet like the idea of planets being ripped apart is common that is how the level is far beyond our own understanding and i'll pass over to colin to quickly talk about these uh new races yes mostly one of them the best one in warhammer my favorite the elder mm. <laughs> oh i heard that <laughs> man of culture they're all simply uncultured but because they're also <laughs> bored here, they'll get their own thing later on, of course. Oh, definitely. Demand, demand it. Uh, but for now, they are important to the war in heaven. So a little bit about the Eldar, or the Eldari, as they're called, because that is a much more... Copyright, yeah. Copyright. <laughs> name. Uh, they're, they're humanoid. They look like people, indeed. And probably closer than any other race in 40k, they look like human beings. And they're a race... Hmm that the uh, psychic slash magical, the mystical powers of the warp is entwined with them more so than any race, perhaps the old ones. And they were made, uplifted or made, either way, they were. this was done to exploit the Necrons and the Catan's weakness to psychic powers. Because them being p creatures purely of I mean, future science, science yeah, yeah sci but science nonetheless. Well, past pa pa science, technically, at this point. Past, oh, yeah, it's past <laughs> yeah, 60 million years. That, that's a good point. Like past the science. They're weak to the warp, and the Eldar were supposed to exploit that. As you could possibly guess, given that they are Eldar, space elves, they're inspired, of course, by Tolkien's elves. And in a lot of ways, especially come modern 40k, but even by this point, there's a lot of traits you can ascribe them that come from Tolkien from that. Arrogance. And 
a lot of Pointy ears. Well, well earned arrogance. Pointy, pointy ears. ears. All, all of the major, all of the major, uh, hit thing. All the major points are hit, and the old ones monitor them and let them grow. And indeed, much of their prowess and technology was fostered by the old ones, like the Webway. Eldar didn't make it, although they're the only ones, the only ones who still regularly use it. They might well, claim that they made it, though, to be fair. Well, they probably claim they made it, but... <laughs> Arrogance. That's, that's basically space janitors. Space, nah, space nah, janitors. Nah, nah, nah. No, you don't even... Now we've found this, we just clean up the webway, get rid of the... This is we're going to fight cars. now. They're, the, they're the ones it. keeping it going. They're not space janitors. Space. <laughs> Cruel oh mad. That's <laughs> insult, insulting on many levels. <laughs> <laughs> But just yeah, yes. just to give a context for how massive this war is, even the Eldar uh, can get themselves traced back to this. And they weren't even involved in starting it. That's how comprehensive this whole mess was. And that's how long, particularly, it is as well. The, an entire races were taken and fostered all the way up to, you know, galactic powers. That's how long this... The war in heaven is not given... There's no length of time specified for how long it went on or how you know how many battles there were, but it's meant to be just the word like I guess the word apocalyptic just doesn't quite encompass how just encompassing and wrecking it was for the galaxy and it went on for a long time. And this is where we delve very nicely into our next most prominent race uh from the old ones the old ones did create many other numerous races too but the eldari were sort of their main elite shall we say for countering uh the necrons but for their shall we say their big muscle their big um foot 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 soldiers still need their foot soldiers in front of them so this is where the crook come in and so the crook themselves are uh as we say in the Warhammer certain they are very much uh as we see them now they are very much orcs but they are the kind of ancestors that they they we wish they could be in some regard they are so uh they are stronger at this time as well the, the size of a crook actually is something debatable it's meant to be larger than uh some of the primarchs so if some of who are familiar with the uh modern timeline primarchs are like uh, eight foot, nine foot tall, something even ten foot tall superhuman characters, and the Quark themselves are ginormous. So even for modern forty k orcs who are said to be larger than an average man, just by a couple, or isn't it that their heads are slightly uh, lower? <laughs> they like they like they lean forward something because they're like so they're their backs. Back to, yeah, yeah. Not got great posture, the orcs. You know. Yeah, not they. No, there are no orc chiropractors. You know. <laughs> they couldn't afford the healthcare. <laughs> yeah, well, the closest you get is an orc punching you in the spine. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> they um, so they very these are giant. They are ginormous uh, creatures, and similar to how orcs work in the modern timeline, they do over time as they fight things, they became more powerful. And you can imagine the kind of crook that were fighting in these apocalyptic battles so you can imagine how strong they became over time and they were just imagine they are pretty much like hulks that's the best way we could think of them imagine an army of like billions of hulks and you throw that at a planet so that is it's almost hard to comprehend but that's so the crocs were integral to just 
you know, just smashing into Necron lines, and they yeah, were so not fair when you consider the Necron tiers. Like we've got these weedy, cancer-filled little kind. Of, it's like this big. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them get anywhere near you. Oh wait, there's the Eldar throwing like magic missiles at us. Oh no! Very much. So it is. So this the size of continents. Give them their credit. Pretty, pretty, yeah, they were. <laughs> to, to say like the uh the modern 40k and 30k uh eldari were almost it's almost laughable how how much more because how much knowledge has been lost over time how much more powerless they are compared to these the eldara at this time they are leagues above any psycho we would see within the modern uh 40k timeline so as this war has been we we, we it's almost it is generally it's lost to time how many years this war has come on so how come on <laughs> be hitting on them how many years this war has raged on and again it, was, it is important to truly get across how when an entire necron force under command protocols with katan who are who've been feasting on planets and been absorbing more power they are the katan do fight like almost like demigods that we described them, just massive swaths of death and destruction and again the power of the old ones are fighting too in the with the eldari and the crook and it's just it, it, you wouldn't be able to you you couldn't truly just comprehend the destruction and to to understand it particularly with the necrons as well the the idea of death to them is so robbed that necrons when they when they're necrodermis shells we call them shells because they are literally the necrons inside are just information at this point and when the shells are destroyed they are simply either the necrodermis will start to repair itself as the living metal or their let's say their information is basically teleported back to these great monoliths which are like floating pyramids and these essentially reprint a new necron and just implant the information in so the almost a horrifying thing of warhammer lore is you could be fighting a necron and not realize that as a necron tier the necron tier was a child but it's there's nothing that remains truly of that child anymore and you are simply just fighting a automaton because it's just been it's just been repressed and it's just under layers of you know unimportant necron soldier barely in any information was needed and that's and that thing will just constantly fight in battles so the necrons are basically almost endless but the almost kind of really sad part of it is also as like the necrons themselves they, there's no new necrons they they, they never they are only necrons they just keep tru regenerating. truly they they never they regenerate they can be rebirthed within a monolith but they are truly there will never be another necron tier born in the they are very much a dead people and they uh yeah, they have ghosts pretty much they are very much yeah it's, a, it's almost like the deeply tragic part of it is that there's no new necron and then they only at times if they're not too within the range of a monolith they will die or, yeah i was gonna or, say like is it just a case of if there's nowhere for them to like if there's no yeah. bandwidth they're just or if fire. they or if the monoliths are destroyed they're just so their numbers only diminish and the katana are essentially like treating them like uh you know just the slaves that they are and they're just thrown into battles and they are almost you know and this you know powerless to ignore them because it's just certain death to 
go against them at that point. And for most of the Necrons, they just can't ignore the Silent King. They, they cannot ignore the commands of the Silent King. So damned if you do and damned if you don't, even if you could ignore it. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's one of the, the greatest bits of Warhammer is like that deep tragedy. It is obviously all that epicness, but that deep tragedy about the Necrons. And obviously you can imagine how they have viewed everything they've gone through so far. Oh, so, I just so, thought, it's like, what's the one thing worse than space cancer? And you think nothing. And then just like, the, the oh, death, wait, death of your race. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. it's um, a bit obviously, you know, it's a, something we can all probably, we can all feel for them. And so this is a part where at this stage in the war in heaven, the Katana are essentially so powerful that they're almost just, they, you, they are even with the might of the old ones, which some of the old ones have died at this point, and some of the old, you know, the Eldari and the Krok, they are just, it's just not enough to beat the onslaught of the Katan and the Necrons. And this is a interesting part of the story where, as the something that we will touch on at another video, hopefully in the future, is um, the Eldar at this time do have their own pantheon of gods, although the way that they would we would view gods at the time is very different to how we would uh, today because it was less mythologized. It's something we will go into great detail in our own video on Eldari. So there's the uh, uh, one of the gods of the Eldari named Kegorak. If I'm saying that wrong, please. <laughs> uh, well, I do some people say it's Chegorak and Kegorak. Do believe that's the closest like, we're gonna get. I keep thinking it. I always, I always keep thinking it's like Kakarot or something from Dragon Ball Z. I keep thinking of Tato, that. Name. I say Chegarath. Very much. His so name, he his name is Goku. He's pretty much so. So Goku in the drip. He uh, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> right. This is this is an Eldar, the the kind of the low key figure, the, the Eldar trickster god, and this is his his story will be told another time. But at this time in the War in Heaven, he converses with one of the Katan known as Tassara Noga. I'm not going to say that word again because it's awful. So this is a kind of turning point within the war because this laugh, he's called the Laughing God, the Eldar one, and he convinces uh, Tassara Noga to devour his own kind. Essentially, essentially the other Katan, the, the old ones are basically they're not really a danger to them anymore the danger is your brothers and or they wouldn't really consider them brothers or sisters but your danger is the other katan and this leads into essentially a civil war between the katan and unfortunately the entire galaxy is caught in the middle of this because the katan have just been gorging themselves for we could say millennia or we could even say more so they are they are truly like just so powerful and they are the Necrons are particularly are caught within this own like civil war as the Katan are fighting each other and for territory. And this is the time when good old the silent king Zarek or Cesarek, after we, we can imagine his patience for how long he has waited for a moment like this. And this is something where we could, you could ask ourselves earlier, why did he not fight the Katan immediately after being turned into a Necron? And it was for a moment like this. So I'm sure that's a lyric to a good song. <laughs> so he, he chooses this moment to unveil, his, to unveil his plan 
where he had constructed uh, just they had to construct the Necrons had constructed weapons under his using his command protocol. He had made them construct weapons that to say like they are dangerous again the word doesn't quite truly grasp how dangerous they are they are galaxy uh, altering weapons and even within the modern 40k timeline it, it is said that they would never use them again because of the danger of them and they use and they the use of these very weapons actually do they scarve the material universe for all time they have done something that's that is to show the level of just you know, million, a millennia's worth of plan and um, the desperation to kill the Gatan. You can imagine the kind of hate and malice poured into something, you know, the creation of something like this. Mm. And they use these weapons, the Necrons, to, as I said earlier, to shatter the Gatan into shards. And the reason they are shattered into shards is because the Gatan have consumed so much of the galaxy and so much sentient life that they are almost integral to the very universe itself they are almost un they are essentially unkillable and it's actually only one of them in in all of warhammer history only one katan was ever destroyed uh the one named um landugor if i'm pronouncing that right he's the only necron to ever be sorry only katan to ever be destroyed with the use of these weapons and that and that led on to consequences later that we will explore in another video hopefully one day so the necrons have done it they have shattered the katan into shards they have taken these shards pokemon style they've collected them and they have essentially turned they turn these katan into batteries because they are they are literally energy they are, they they have been consuming stars since their birth the, the dawn of the universe and they have been turned into batteries for the necrons so it's a very much a reversal of the slaves have become the master you know the, the chain pulls from one end but it can be pulled from another and they are essentially locked within many vaults the katan or used in machines or in great mon like, you know planet-sized machine uh, literally planet-sized machines that's how long uh, so that's how uh, incredibly powerful they are. And at this point, the Necrons have, they have taken like enormous amount of territory within the galaxy over the war in heaven as planets were either subjugated, conquered, or just robbed of life as the Catan had eaten it. But the the galaxy is just ruined. And as we mentioned earlier with the good old talk of the enslavers, this is the part where all of this, as the way in Warhammer it typically works, is sentient life, our dreams, our all of our emotions, they ripple within the mirror universe known as the warp. It's a very important part of Warhammer lore, and the warp. I think the best way I've always described it is like it's the reflective sea of sentient thought which obviously you can imagine even in our own thoughts they are often wonderful and also very dark <laughs> so so uh Never the warp is of my life yeah absolutely i wouldn't lie I swear <laughs> <laughs> so the warp is just it has rippled for a long amount of time with just the death of untold trillions 
and it is it is when the warp becomes unstable it can breach into real space our material universe and at this point this is where the enslavers come in so the enslavers are literally enslaving shall we say <laughs> they are enslaving they are they are they are creatures solely of the warp they are they are simply creatures of the mind but because of this bleeding from the warp they are en- able to enter real space they are devouring uh, sentient life. They are. They are. They have the power to even destroy Necron tomb world. They are just ruining the galaxy, and the Necrons can sense that the galaxy is is almost it's 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 nearly broken, and they can also see something on the horizon that's that in a way scares them too. Which is they have seen the rise of the Eldari because the Eldari themselves have only been growing in power the entire time. As there are more Eldari, there are their gods are stronger. They have become more advanced. They've become more proficient with their talents. They have. They can procreate as well. Indeed. Yes, a big, with no a big, big <laughs> with Now no, he pipes up. No yes. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. So there are there are new there are new uh, sorry uh, there are new Eldari all the time, but there are no new Necrons, and so they decide that the galaxy is almost it, this position is untenable they need to they need to go to their what they call their great sleep and so this is where the silent king decide they need to wait for a time when the galaxy is healed and for when the elbri as all is a destiny of all empires all empires rise and fall and so they decide they need to wait for a time in which the necrons will be order will not have to face such a such a strong adversary and they decide to go into uh, the great stasis sleep so they enter into all of the so all of the great dynasty clans have have reconquered much of uh the space that they lost and gained more territories they have created tomb worlds across many different planets and they decide as you know as they take their mindless automatons and then some of their more uh sentient uh members of their dynasties into these great tombs and they enter the great sleep then this is when i say decision i mean this is something where the silent king this was the last command he used on his command protocol and then he chose to sever the link and he left the galaxy uh forever well no sorry not forever he left the galaxy until one day he may return and this was the end of the war in heaven does anyone have any questions? Are you saying that the biggest war possibly in the galactic history was ended with a nap? It's very <laughs> pretty much yes, it pretty much did. It ended with well, the, the the big ending is the destruction of the Catan, and the, the you could say you could almost say the end of the war in heaven is mm. the destruction of the Catan. I say I mean breaking of the Catan. I think they are any more questions either way. I think it was a yeah, yeah, they they earned it. They very much, yeah. They've they they've been through a lot. They're like, you know, I've, I've had enough. <laughs> I'm off. I'm off to the pub, mate, or something like that. They're, they're very much. They're very we much had space done. cancer. We had simultaneous mass genocide and enslavement, and then mm-hmm. we had like all the gods of the universe breaking and killing each other, and now the Eldar thing. Yeah, I'm going for a nap. You know, makes sense. Yes, there's, there's the Necron is mostly done from the Necrons' point of view and their story. This is all of the story that takes them from 
their earliest days up to essentially the e- the end of the war in heaven and it was a it's an it's a war that costs untold number of lives it is almost lost to time this war you know 60 million years in the past the fact that the they are still around 60 million years later obviously is incredible and it is a they are very much in their current form they are the lesser version of themselves they are very much a people who have you know they, they you be careful what you wish for because you might get exactly what you want they are uh, they have very much they are stagnant they are a lost people with no future but again they have no past and the very last detail i wanted to add is that as soon as the necrons one of the great parts from another fantastic necron uh book called on the infinite and the divine it describes the fact that before that when they were necron tier their memories of that time is almost like they view a dream and they don't as the way we view dreams it's almost kind of uh, erratic and it doesn't make sense but you kind of remember some of the key details but as soon as they became necrons they remember everything like a computer would they literally remember everything as a necron and that is uh the part of the the part of them that is lost is the people who they were before and that is the war in heaven so what you, any more questions do we have Sure. Uh, I think that was very comprehensive. I've got to be honest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> very good. good work, you too. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for those who are watching this uh, or listening to this lovely video, uh, please leave any suggestions for topics you would love to hear. We want to hopefully take you know that you know uh, that beginner understanding all the way to that level where you you know you you really know how. Uh, but essentially, you know the story, and it's a fantastic story in itself. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe too. <laughs> yes, please. Anyone else? Please. <laughs> final words. I have two final things I'd like to say. Uh, Go for it. Uh, one, I would just—I know this was a—it was brought up at the end, and it would—I just feel like I should point this out. Uh, how old is the Imperium? Uh, anyone? Andy, I know. I know you know. <clears throat> I, I I believe it's you know it's a few years you know yeah, ten thousand years a couple of millennia you know ten thousand years 000. that's crazy that's crazy yeah. what what, emp- what empire only fell just before the uh, Imperium rose and uh, um, lasted for six years <laughs> you wanna I'm I'm just saying the, the Necron the Necron have come back at a prime time to get clapped by the Imperium and then we'll get rid of them press X to doubt yeah well, the Eldar yeah. are pretty much clapped already, but you know, yeah, no, yeah, took them to take a there. note out of the Eldar book and go at it like rabbits. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and the Emperor's not gone yet, so hold your yeah. horses. And then yeah, I'm all done. I was going to say is, um, yeah, please put suggestions in the comments about videos to do next. But the Eldar one, I think we can wait a few months. Uh, yeah, who even likes Eldar, anyways? Uh, yeah, heresy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I uh, hope everyone listening uh, enjoyed this. And, and yes, and uh, for our next episode, that will be on Black Templars. Yes, yes. jumping ahead yes. of the timeline, but everyone loves the Black Templars. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. They even are the Necrons. 
indeed. I doubt. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Even the enslavers are like, cool. Oh, yeah, they're like yeah. Yeah, I'll watch that. Thank you all for watching and have a good one. Just one final word, if I could add. Of course. Necrosy. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, scum. He did it. He said oh, it. God, you got to throw the whole thing out now. Where is it? Where is it? Give it to me. I took my headphones out. God. Oh, wait, don't beg for it. God. <laughs> <laughs> God, if that's in the intro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to riot. <laughs> I literally leaned so far back, my headphones got unplugged. <laughs> oh. oh my god. <laughs>